pursue a worthwhile destination um, with with great company on the most enjoyable journey possible, right? Because, you know, the destination is not guaranteed. I don't know if I'm going to make it there for sure. But if I'm built going on that journey with people that I enjoy and it's a fun journey, then it doesn't matter if I don't make it to my destination. So that's truly what I focus on as much as possible is, is enjoying the process, the journey, the company, the relationships, um, and pursuing worthwhile goals and destinations. The Tom Screen podcast is owned and made possible by Ethical Marketing Service. If your business is struggling with Google or Facebook ads, maybe you're frustrated figuring it out or there's a performance issue, Ethical Marketing Service has worked on hundreds of accounts and we can help in this area. We offer a 30-day money-back guarantee and for every direct account we look after, we sponsor a child in a developing nation with food, water and education. If you would like to find out if we can help, it's a free, no salesy consultation call and the link is in the description. Enjoy the episode. Thomas Green here with Ethical Marketing Service. On the episode today, we have Tom Mays. Tom, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me here, Thomas. It is my pleasure. Would you like to take a moment and tell the audience a bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So right now I'm currently focused on on four businesses, primarily with a finance background, uh, co-founded Squadra Capital about three years ago, a commodity and currency trading fund. Uh, in the process of building out that business, I was doing a lot of networking with family offices, venture capital firms, private equity, high net worth, ultra high net worth individuals. Um, and they would say, hey, Tom, I like what you're doing with the commodity and currency trading fund. But right now we're looking for real estate projects or technology. Um, at the same time of you know having a hedge fund business, I would get a lot of entrepreneurs come to me and say, Tom, would you invest in this real estate project? And I'd say, no, we're primarily focused on commodity and currency. But I was just speaking with a family office who's looking for what you have. So I co-founded another business, Alteza Capital, which is a consulting firm where we do a lot of introductions and fundraising for a variety of projects coming from the network connections I already had and and experience I had. So then uh, from there, about a year later, uh, started another business called NXT Digital. It's a uh, NFT focused business collaborating with artists, assisting them with all of the marketing, the Discord groups, the the advertising, and then really exploring opportunities in the NFT space. Fourth business is is I do a lot of coaching and mentoring for for entrepreneurs, uh, especially young entrepreneurs getting into the space. And co-founded uh, the Global Coaching Association with eleven coaches. Uh, so saw us all doing very similar work, anywhere from artificial intelligence coaching to, to business scalability, problem solving, relationship coaching. I'm primarily in the, the fundraising coaching um, and, and entrepreneurial coaching. So those are the four businesses I'm focused on at the moment. You got a lot going on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It keeps me busy. So of everything you mentioned, what would you say is your main passion or where you focus on the most? My main passion is going to be a combination of, of finance as well as as coaching and mentorship because I knew the true significance and, and fulfillment that I'm going to get in my life is going to be from the relationships that I build and the impact that I have. So 
you know, having those one-on-one conversations with people and having them assist them with, you know, achieving their goals or overcoming limiting beliefs, becoming the best versions of themselves, increasing their confidence, though that is like so valuable. Like that, 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 that's true significance and fulfillment in my, in my eyes. Uh, as far as, you know, business scalability, I, I prefer finance because it, it's extremely, it's extremely uh, scalable. And I think the opportunity for, for income in, in the finances is, is phenomenal. So I also have a passion for finding great investments and helping other people, um, you know, make more money. So combination of those two. Thank you for that. Where would you say your entrepreneurship story begins? Um, high school, high school, even elementary school, um, as young as I believe 10 years old was when I first actually, even before that, I would have to say in video games, when I started playing video games in like grade three, grade four, grade five, I played a lot of video games where you could, uh, like level up your character and you could buy items and sell items. So I, and money was a useful resource in the video games. So I would start buying other people's stuff for cheaper and then I'd sell it for more and I started making more money so that I could level up my character and then in real life I was paying my brother to go and buy fireworks for me so that I could sell fireworks at high school and um, especially around Halloween I was making four or five six hundred bucks uh, around Halloween when I was in I don't know grade grade five to grade grade 12 so that's probably the real beginning yeah <laughs> That is early. So, I mean, I, I really like to ask if it is, if you start off that young sort of, and you have that entrepreneurial trait, I like to ask where you think it comes from. Why do you think that at that age you were doing that type of activity where most people don't? I think it came from two, two, two areas specifically. One, um, you know, I'm a very, very curious individual. So I'd ask my parents tons of questions about, you know, how does the store work? And then I really understood this sim- very, very simplistic, you know, concept of buying in bulk and then selling for more individual pieces. So that's where, you know, the fireworks selling or, or dirt bikes or skateboards or whatever I was selling came from that was just buy it low, sell it high. And then the second one was out of um, like need and, and desire. I, again, paid really close attention to family conversations at Thanksgiving or family get togethers or my parents or aunts and uncles. And there was such a, you know, concentration around money. And it was, oh, I can't buy this new roof because it's, you know, super stressful. You know, my aunt can't afford it or, you know, new new repair on the car. Oh my gosh, it's $5,000. You know, it was always this pain point, Um, you know, this vacation is so expensive. And it was always this massive pain point. And I just thought like, wow, like, I want to learn more about this. So I would ask more questions further and further. And I have a couple individuals in my family who have done well financially. And then I would say the mass majority are more average. And I just saw like, wow, like those people have more options, they have more freedom, they can go on more vacations, they can you know, have nicer cars, they can do what they want. And they still have, you know, normal stresses in their life. But when they figured out this one problem, when I was so young, quote, unquote, you know, money, it was like, I want to figure out how to solve this problem. If I don't have to have that be an additional burden or stress on my life, I would like to remove it if possible, and then do what I want with who I want, whenever I want. So 
um, it became a great, and then, you know, my, my parents were talking about it a lot and I was like, man, I, I just don't want this to be a problem in my life. I'd like to solve this problem. So you observed your options basically and decided that was the, the path you wanted to follow maybe consciously or unconsciously. Yeah, definitely a combination of both, um, unconsciously because it was a big game to me, um, making more monies because I thought selling stuff was fun. Um, and then, and then, yeah, the, the need and desire as it grew, as I got older, any more lessons that you picked up from starting that early? Starting that early is, um, I I like to say I've got a PhD in the school of hard knocks. Um, (laughs) you know, I've really been self-taught, I guess I've really seeked out you know, in a form of self-taught of like trying and failing, trying and failing. But I've had a tremendous amount of coaches and mentors in my life that have just been so, so amazing for, for my growth. So it would be, you know, just just don't be afraid to fail. I mean, you know, just fail, fall, move forward, learn from it, move forward. Um, I mean, there's been so many times where I've bought the wrong things or, you know, partnered with the wrong partners and it it, it didn't work out. Um but it's just never stopped me from, you know, what's what's the next thing that I can work on? What's the next thing that I'm going to be able to move forward? You know, you, you know, whatever. You have a massive injury and you took a big fall. Now it's what's the next steps forward? So I always keep moving forward. And what would you say is your was your first actual kind of proper business? Yeah, totally. Well, you're telling me selling fireworks, not a proper business in high school? <laughs> well, technically, it's, it's revenue expenses. So I'm sure the tax, tax man would say it's a real business, but in your view. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, real business was uh, more the affiliate marketing space coming out of high school. Got involved with, with a couple uh, affiliate marketing companies and built a couple teams of of people for for selling different products and services and that's where i really started to to gain a lot of mentorship and coaching as well but i would say you know i was actually in in the trades industry coming out of high school um i wanted to make money immediately and start a business and have a fallback plan because i knew i was going to go into business if i if i ever had a fallback plan i could go back into the trades specifically electrical so I was in the affiliate marketing space. Then I started my own electrical contracting business for a while. And then it was quite short term. And then I transitioned into finance. So how did you start with the affiliate um, model? And what kind of stuff were you promoting? Um, I got started with it through you know a couple referrals of friends because they just saw that I was um, you know, networking a lot, you know, selling cars, dirt bikes, whatever it was. And they'd say, Tom, like, you should just do affiliate marketing. You're pretty much doing that anyways. And then you could build a team of people. Um, so that concept really made sense to me. Uh, dove right into that. And I sold pretty much anything. I mean, like everything from, you know, different vitamin options to, um, you know, like travel plans and packages to, um, forex trading systems and algorithms and that's actually what transitioned me into the to the world of finance was I was very interested with these different algorithms and trading systems um, and education systems that you could use um, so I built different sales teams for that and we had about 35 reps selling uh, trading algorithms 
in Canada and the U.S. And um, yeah, then that gave me a lot of opportunities in the finance space through the networking. So did you build a team whilst you were still an affiliate? That's correct. Yeah. So it must have been going quite well then. Uh, in, in order to do that, you must have been generating quite an amount of revenue to build a team. Yeah. And we were all like, you know, commission based, right? So it wasn't like I was paying overhead for a lot of these uh, affiliates and reps that I that I brought on board. It was, you know, you get a commission of your sale and I get a commission of your commission for your being within within my team, within my company. Um, so, yeah. Resourceful, very resourceful there. Um, what would you say the main thing that you learned from that business was? The two huge, well, three would be uh, the importance of communication um, and confidence and presentation skills. And then two would be networking, the value of simply saying hi to somebody at a grocery store or extending a sales conversation with somebody just to see if there's a potential relationship. And I mentioned those two because I actually met, you know, a really good friend of mine, Keenan Pillar at a Save on Foods grocery store in Kamloops, just buying some food. And we've been buddies for like seven years now. We've done a bunch of business together. It's been amazing. And I commented on his shoes and I said, hey, man, nice, nice, nice shoes. And <laughs> that's how it started. Uh, and then another guy, Landon Wizhart, he was doing a sales call, trying to sell me a car. And then we came buddies over the phone and then we ended up doing a whole bunch of business together. And he came, you know, representative for me and an affiliate with me. And um, just the power of networking. I mean, you never know where you're going to meet somebody that will become a really good friend, a really good business partner you'll learn from um, is incredible. And then the third one is coaching and mentorship because there was a lot of coaching and mentorship available within the, the affiliate marketing companies that I built as far as people that had done a lot more than I have. So learning from them, those, those are the three main points. Well, regarding mentoring, I mean, um, I think that there are people, a lot of people, maybe majority of people don't have a mentor. So what, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I also think that in society right now, the word coach and mentor can sometimes not be the most positive because there's so many coaches out there that are not super ethical or they're just trying to sell a super quick course, a cookie cutter program, um, and they're maybe they don't even know what they're really talking about and they're just trying to sell something. So being aware of that for sure. Uh, I, I believe there's two aspects of a coach and mentor. I believe a mentor is, you know, more around your whole whole life and your life goals and, you know, your values, your morals, your ethics, what you want to accomplish with your life, you know, taking into every business that you have, every every idea that you have, every relationship that you have. And then a coach is more specific to like skill set development. So say so you have a life mentor you know like your uncle or something and then you have a coach who's helping you build your marketing business right and then that's a marketing guru they're so good at what they do they've built many marketing businesses now they can teach you the the day-to-day -day, the week-to-week -week, the month-to-month -month goal setting around that business so i would differentiate them that way and i i also think you know finding a professional coach and mentor is extremely valuable you know somebody like yourself for building a a marketing agency would be amazing. Um, 
But if you don't have maybe the resources to, to do that, you can find a, a mentor in your uncle or in your, your pastor or, you know, a, a really good friend or family friend or a business contact that you have. And you don't have a quote unquote, like, you know, like set up relationship where, hey, you're my mentor, but you go to them for advice. You know, you go for them for for insight. And same thing with coaching. If, you know, Thomas, you know, you and I were, were good buddies and I say, hey, you know, Thomas, I'm at this point in my business right now, you know, how can I progress from here? And I've got so many business contacts and friends of mine that we do that all the time. You know, hey, Tom, I need a little bit of finance help over here. Hey, Tom. Or, and then I go to my buddy Landon, you know, he's amazing at sales. Hey, you know, I was doing this sales process. This seemed a little bit rigid. How can we adjust that? And we we collaborate and work together. So if you can't afford that quote unquote coach or mentor relationship that's super professional, then, you know, you can find it in different aspects. Well, that would be where the good networking comes in. So if you've got, a, a let's say, a, a big network of people that can potentially or are willing to give you advice, then that would be highly beneficial. But from your description, it would it makes it sound as though you'd be crazy not to do that. So um, why do you think more people don't? It's a great question. I, I would say the first hurdle would probably be um, communication skills and maybe lack of self-confidence um, to just have those conversations. Um, so first developing your, your self-confidence and your communication skills to build those relationships. And um, I have to say it's one of my strongest skills, but I did not start there. Like I was so nervous to talk to people all of the time, like going into a grocery store and talking to somebody was like my worst nightmare or going into a coffee shop to have a sales meeting with someone was like my worst nightmare. I would go into a meeting with my affiliate marketing company. I'd show up in the parking lot like 30 minutes early at a coffee shop and I'd call my like coach and I'd be like sweating and like a cold sweat. And I'm like so stressed out about this meeting. He's like, don't worry, Tom, you got this, you got this. And I was horrible. I was so horrible for the first 10, 20, 30 meetings, you know, and the same thing with in-person you know encounters at a mall or at a grocery store at a coffee shop whatever it was like you know it's just like it's something that you have to build it's a, it's a muscle you know it's like going to the gym you have to you have to suck at it you have to whatever you're doing new you're gonna suck you're gonna do garbage and then you slowly slowly get better and build that self-confidence so i'd say one build the confidence and the communication skills because that's going to be a skill that's so valuable to you for the rest of your life um, especially as technology develops, like more and more jobs are going to be human interacting opposed to um, other things that are going to get taken over by technology. And then the the second one um, would be, yeah, I know just communication, the self self-discipline. Uh, I did have a second point. It'll probably come back to me in a minute here, but okay. Yeah. Just picking up on what important. you said about communication. I spoke to someone who coaches CEOs exclusively. And I asked him what the the main, should we say, the most beneficial skill to have as a CEO. And he said communication. And I was surprised at the answer. Um, and But the, the description of that is that they're not doing any of the day-to-day -day work, right? So um, they have to communicate and delegate to the various different people. And so basically all they do is communicate to people. And that's, uh, if you're a great communicator, that's highly beneficial for a CEO. And obviously, we're all kind of CEOs of our own company, right? Absolutely. And that's where, you know, leadership comes in as well. If you can't lead 
a team of, you know, 500 people, 1000 people as a CEO, then then you're not doing your job effectively. So I totally agree with that. And I, the other point came to me is the the value in, in networking. I don't think a lot of people see, think of the value where they're like, oh, just like talking with somebody at a coffee shop or talking with a, with a new friend or asking for a referral for, for no reason. Hey, I heard that guy's successful. Do you think you'd be able to introduce me to him? I'd love to have a conversation with him. They don't even think that that conversation could be potentially valuable. Um, where I've had so many of these conversations where I walk away from a 30 minute call and I'm like, whoa, like that was, that was powerful. That was amazing. That totally changed my mindset as to what I was going to do. That saved me thousands and thousands of dollars or tons and tons of time. Or, you know, I met this guy at a coffee shop. Now he's my best friend and I just love hanging out with him. Like I really see the value in it. So I don't think because people maybe haven't done it, they don't see the value. So then they don't push themselves to do it. I say that's the other other aspect. Great answer. So how do you go from being an affiliate to having your own finance company? What does that look like? Great question. Um, I'm really a man of, or, you know, I say entrepreneur of say yes and, and learn it along the way. So I, I loved investing and trading from when I was 16. Uh, I did that a lot with my with my father. He gave me some of the, the beginning kind of points of how to get into it. And then I read a lot of books on it and I was obsessed with it because, again, it was money working for me instead of me working for money, which I love that concept. Again, it's kind of like buying something low, selling it high, same concept, but just in the stock market. And so I had done a lot of that from when I was like 16 to about 21 or 22. Um, and then when I was in the process of selling the the algorithm and, and building a team of affiliates with that, I was doing a lot of trading. I, had a lot, I was really in that industry. A lot of us were, were trading and, and using these algorithms and collaborating and working together. And I was doing a presentation for... One of my affiliates, he said, hey, Tom, you've got to come and meet a couple individuals downtown Vancouver. I think they'd be a great fit. They're already traders. And I was chatting with a, with an individual and did the presentation. Uh, he ended up calling me about a week later and said, hey, what are your thoughts on building a, a finance company together? You know, I'm, I'm a really great trader. You're really great with people. You're a really great networker. You could really do a lot of the investment uh, relation, investor relation side of things, business scalability, team building. And I was like, yeah, you know, I've honestly been looking at a finance company for the long term because I think it's a wonderful, scalable business. And I just love the industry as a whole. So that really gave me a great opportunity to, to, to jump into it a lot more full time. So we collaborated for about six months, built a really great relationship. And then looked at um, launching the company and then, and then going from there. I love that answer because um, the, only, the only reason that opportunity came up as a result is as a result of your affiliate stuff. And um, like you say, the communication. Totally. And uh, Are you still in the affiliate business now or is, is that, have you stopped that activity? Um, I still have about a couple teams of people right now they're smaller but i really don't put time and effort into growing them i just kind of maintain them very very casually um they've decreased in size substantially um since when i was more engaged in it so yeah but um the coming on from what i said was essentially that that you never would have known that that would have led to that opportunity in advance there's no way of knowing that but because you did take the action and um 
you know, got better at it and that opportunity uh, arose. And uh, it reminds me of the definition of luck. So it's when um, preparedness meets opportunity. Um, and that's kind of where yes. you were. Totally, totally agree. And that's, again, where I see the value in networking and communication skills, because there's been like my network is amazing. I've got, you know, entrepreneurs that have built companies to, to 100 million, you know, 300 million dollar valuations. And the only way I met them was through through networking, random conversations or referrals. And and this first leap into, you know, building Squadra Capital, it was specifically through networking, communication skills. And just like you said, with with luck, if I wasn't, you know, having the confidence in that meeting, if I didn't have good communication skills, if I, you know, didn't network, I, I never would have been able to to have that individual want to say, hey, Tom, let's let's start a business together. I, if I did a really crappy presentation and poor communication skills, the opportunity never would have been there, right? So, so is that um, two of your four businesses so far? Um, this would be, I actually didn't include the affiliate marketing business. So technically there would be like five <laughs> businesses. <laughs> if you really want to get technical about it, there's probably seven but if they're like, there's like three that I don't really consider businesses because I put so little time into them. They're kind of in the background. Um, and yeah, just the main four. So right now we've covered the first one out of the four, which would be Squadra Capital. So, so soon after that, the, about uh, a year and a half. The main challenges that you had from, from your first business, what would you say that is? The main challenges would be a very steep learning curve for sure. Um, I had to learn a lot in a very, very short time period. So I just went, you know, uh, beast mode, you know, like full on studying all day, 12, 14 hours, 15, 16 hours a day. Um, some days, you know, 20 hours a day sleeping for four hours. And, you know, I was working with the Securities Commission, British Columbia Securities Commission, learning all of their rules, what to do, what you can do, what you can't do, how to do it, how to say it, what you can say, what you can't say. And building relationships with the Securities Commission, you know, I've got three, three contacts there now. And, um, you know, talking with securities lawyers, learning what they say, what they don't say, um, learning different trading strategies that are scalable, um, you know, how to build the, the internal workings of a company with, you know, different systems and processes and, and Google Sheets and um and then onboarding associates for for that business and putting in training systems for them to learn luckily a lot of that skill set came from the affiliate marketing space um i had some materials that i could bring over but it was really more focused uh, and then i was trading as well I, I got into a lot more manual trading in the fx market and commodity market so learning a lot more about that again reading more more and more books about trading psychology you know, my responsibility was not mainly on the trading side, so I didn't do a huge amount about that, but it's still really important to know, um, of course. So I dove a lot into that, but I'd say a really, really steep learning curve, um, just learning as much as possible in the shortest time period possible, having a great amount of responsibility as well. Um, you know, having other people's money as a responsibility is, is a great, you know, huge amount of pressure. Um, so, so bearing that and, and learning how to deal with that and work with that. Um, and yeah, yeah, 
That would be it. I like the answer because you use the phrase beast mode and then you also described what beast mode is. So for anyone who wants to know, <laughs> you gave a description. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> when does your second business come along and what does that look like? Um, so about two and a half years after starting the first one, um, so that was doing a lot of networking, like I mentioned, for, for, the, for the investment fund, building relationships and seeing that I was leaving money on the table, really. You know, they're looking for a real estate project or they're leaving money. They're looking for a technology project to invest into. And I always like to be able to refer somebody to, to somebody that can help. And I was like, well, I met another entrepreneur who, who specifically does deal making and structuring and introductions and, and um, consulting work in that manner. And I, I said, Hey, I'm doing this for free. And she, she's like, what you're, you're doing this for free and you're not making any money, like making these introductions. And she's like, that's so valuable. It's like my full-time business. I was like, Oh yeah, I was just being nice. You know, I was referring people to each other, <laughs> uh, investors to, to entrepreneurs. And she's like, okay, well, we've got to like dial this in and we got to make this a business. So, so then we launched that business, um, as well. And then, yeah, so that would have been about a year, year and a half, year, about a year ago. And how's that going? It's going well. It's going well. Um, again, uh, another aggressive learning curve for sure in the first six months. Again, my communication and presentation skills have, you know, really been foundational for that business as well. But it's more learning the technicalities um, of that business. And, and that business is going really well. We just closed uh, a deal last week for about a $2 million uh, investment, which was phenomenal into a technology company I'm an advisor for out of the US. So that's fantastic. And yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I love to network and meet new people. And I, I really love that business. And there's huge, huge potential on the upside as well. So correct me if I'm wrong. First business is um, sort of making... Uh, making money on people's behalf so you know they give you your money you get them a better return is that correct correct and yep. second business your um real estate real estate projects and also other types of investments maybe so um i don't know um how does how does the second one is how would you differentiate that from the first one in terms of why how the description i used Totally. So with the first one with Squadra Capital, it's an investment fund. So we're trading in the commodity and the currency markets. Um, I do want to look at opening up new funds in the future with, you know, a real estate fund, technology fund, those kind of options. But right now it's just commodity and currency. That's it. So when a family office or net worth, high net worth individual says, Tom, I don't want to have a, a fund. I want a technology project that could 5x in the next two years or 10x in the next three years, then we don't offer that with the company, with the investment fund. We're strictly going for, you know, 10, 10 to 25, whatever, different percentages per year. Um, and so then I would go and need to find a technology or real estate project for that individual. And then I've got a lot of people that are starting different tech projects or different real estate projects. So I get a lot of proposals and then i go through and i say hey these this is a solid team here these guys are doing great with this technology project i'll introduce them to a couple of my investors okay and um the third business uh that would be 
Uh, NXT Digital. It's the the NFT business. So that's uh, it's a new industry, right? So um, what does what does that look like, and and how did you? Well, why did you decide to get into that business? Totally. So this would be the newest business. I've definitely been doing my my coaching for longer. Um, so with NXT Digital, I started it about seven months ago with with about seven individuals, and I have watched a lot of. Well, I wouldn't say a lot because I'm quite young, but you know, there's always amazing opportunity in new marketplaces, and it's learning how to identify those opportunities. It's it's kind of like you know stay dangerous per se because new markets move so fast and there's a lot of volatility and a lot of vulnerability you look at look at the dot-com era you know people were just saying internet three times and they were raising money um and then a lot of the companies failed you know 95 percent of them failed and then the strong survive you look at the you know bitcoin in the cryptocurrency world you know everybody's launching their own coin i think it's very similar to the dot-com era so many are going to die you know which are going to be the strong that survive and i think the nft space is very similar uh with the twist of utility um so more relevant to the dot-com era you know it's not just simply buying and selling artwork um you know it's kind of a very simplistic understanding of it in the beginning but I truly believe there's going to be so much, so much more utility as the, the industry progresses as far as like the metaverse goes, digital art frames goes, um, you know, there's there's events being hosted, um, you know, in the metaverse in different areas, you know, gamification of NFTs, um, you know, more collectibles and very, you know, real artwork becomes an NFT, I think. The opportunity is still very new, and I don't think we'll see the very like the true opportunity for another year or two because the industry is so new. So I want to get into it. I want to be involved in something that is brand new. I want the volatility. I want the the extreme scenarios. I want to see how we can adapt to the situation and be nimble enough that we can change as we go. Because if we go in now and say, hey, we're doing X, Y, Z, and that's all we plan on doing, Pretty much in six months or a year, a year and a half, I believe that XYZ is going to be irrelevant unless you're able to adapt as the market changes. So that's our that's our goal. We currently have, you know, two business verticals, three business verticals with another plan of another two or three within the business. So we're just focusing on the main two for now. Um, but I just love the experience of, of building in something that's very new as technology grows over the next you know, 10, 20, 30 years, it's going to be like this over and over and over again. There's going to be a new wave of technology and it's extremely vulnerable. It's extremely volatile. You know, where's the opportunity in that new technology? So I really want the practice of this because it's going to be never ending for, for the rest of my life. So in terms of um, what that looks like, your your business looks like in terms of activities, um, where where's the money exchange hands in terms of um are, are you like a marketplace not quite a not 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 a marketplace so right now the business is very new it's only you know 7 months old i would say you know it's been a lot of putting partnerships together uh we're launching a virtual art gallery here we just signed the contracts for that this last week and you know so that'd be great we can showcase a whole bunch of different artists artwork in our virtual art gallery but primarily where where the main business vertical is that we're working on now and we want to expand into the others 
is just simply collaborating with artists who want to get into the NFT space. They want to enjoy what they're good at. They just want to make their artwork, whether it's digital or physical. And then we deal with all of the technicalities of, of listing it, marketing it, advertising it. And we do a profit sharing model with the artists. So, and then that's the primary business vertical. The other two are we do internal NFT trading and within the company. And then the third option is we're looking at releasing our own artwork in the future and our own NFTs with, with more utility, but that'll be further in the future. So just focused on partnering with artists at the moment. Wow, it's um, impressive stuff in terms of um, what, you, what you apply yourself to. Um, for, I've got a couple of more questions, but in terms of just uh, touching on the NFT space for a moment, um, what do you say to people who are dismissive of the space um, maybe a bit reductive about what it actually is so like calling it jpeg or something like that what do you say to those people yeah i mean i think there is validity to what a lot of you know some of those critics say um in the short term you know you can just screenshot it um you can also just go and find a digital image of the mona lisa you know you can go take a photo of it but it's not the original um but Again, I think those those people are just focused on the art aspect of the NFT space. If you're just focused on the art aspect of the NFT space, I think it's very small. Um, honestly, if that's all I thought the NFT space was going to be was just art, I would not I would not build a business in the space. Um, but I believe that the NFT space and you know with our team and the different projects that we have and different different ideas where we think the NFT space is going to go, that's where I see the opportunity is not not last year, not this year, you know, not next year, but where is it going to be in five years from now? Where is it going to be in six, seven years from now? Um, and I believe more and more utility is going to come to the NFT space. And the real opportunity, like I said, has not really shown it to us, been shown to us until another year or two down the road. So, so this could be like your affiliate business to start with, which gives you the opportunity for the bigger business, um, kind of like the exactly exactly and i look at you know when when bitcoin and cryptocurrency came out the people that said oh it's never going to be anything it'll never be anything you know bitcoin's never going to be worth anything um if they just taken the time to really understand you know what is a bitcoin how does the technology work what is the ethereum blockchain how does it work what is the concept behind all of this where is it really going to go over the next 10 20 years then they would have said differently from just saying hey it's never going to be anything maybe they would have said maybe it could be something i should learn about this maybe i should buy a couple maybe i should put 200 bucks in at it you know bucks in at you know 10 cents a bitcoin and just see where it goes right so the nft space is you know let, let's see where it's going to go start learning about it see where the possibilities are it's still very new you don't have to hit a home run in the next six months in the nft space um, you know, you can hit a home run over the next 10 years in the NFT space. So I think changing the mentality to being closed minded and just making a quick judgment call and saying it's not worth the time, opposed to being open minded about it and saying, I'll put in the time and the effort to learn about it and then make a make a decision from there. So going back over your your businesses and your beginnings, so we didn't I didn't ask you a, like a great amount of detail, but it is like a summary of your career. How do you feel about it and what are your, what are your thoughts? As a whole, 
<laughs> That's a good question. Um, it's been a very interesting journey because, you know, I think a, a lot of entrepreneurs and, and people that are, you know, driven or high achievers, it can be a really driven out of a, a place of you want to accomplish more and you want to do more and there's always the next thing and you can always be better. And, you know, I'll have a lot of conversations with people and they're like, hey, you've you've done a lot. Wow, this is interesting. Where for, for me, I need to give myself that reminder where it's like, I still like, I'm not even a quarter of where I want to be. You know, I'm comparing myself to Richard Branson with 450 companies, you know, Elon Musk who's doing incredible things, you know, Bill Gates and, you know, Tony Robbins with over a hundred companies. And it's just like, you know, I'm a peanut, like I've done nothing, you know, I just want to do so much more and accomplish so much more and help so many more people and build so many more relationships and have so many more, you know, fun adventures. So it's, it's a realization of like, Hey, be, be grateful and happy with where you are now um, and joyful and, uh, my favorite saying is pursue a worth. This is my definition of success is pursue a worthwhile destination um, with with great company on the most enjoyable journey possible. Right. Because, you know, the destination is not guaranteed. I don't know if I'm going to make it there for sure. But if I'm built going on that journey with people that I enjoy and it's a fun journey, then it doesn't matter if I don't make it to my destination. So. That's truly what I focus on as much as possible is, is enjoying the process, the journey, the company, the relationships, um, and pursuing worthwhile goals and destinations. You're just getting started then, yeah? Yeah, just getting started. I'm not a quarter. Yeah, I'm like so far away from where I want to be, but I'm grateful for where I am. I have to tell myself that every day. <laughs> uh, in terms of work ethic, have you got anything to share there? Yeah, um, definitely. I, I would say there's different seasons in your life. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they say, wake up, have a cold shower, do this, that and the other thing, read the book every day. And I've done all of that. I've, I've worked uh, the 18, 20 hour days and, you know, cold shower, super rigid um, uh, systems and processes in place for my day of op to optimize it, which is great for different seasons. When you're building the discipline, you're building, you know, the different patterns um, and then there are different seasons where maybe you need to slow down a little bit, have a little bit more creativity, um, give yourself a little bit more grace, focus on your health, focus on um, you know, your mental health, your physical well-being, your relationships with your family and your friends. And, you know, there isn't a huge amount of balance, but trying to organize that as far as the goals are for your life. And keeping that in mind. So there might be a couple of years where you do nothing but work. And then, you know, maybe you take a, a couple months to slow down and really realize what you're where you are and where you're headed. Um, so work ethic can and can fluctuate. Um, just make sure that you're progressing at a rate that you're there you're happy with and, and keep pursuing. Thank it. you for that. Um, is there anything I should have asked you about today? Oh. Um, nothing that comes to mind immediately. Any closing thoughts for us? Any closing thoughts would be, um, I, I think I said it, you know, I, I pursue a worthwhile destination, uh, with great company on the most enjoyable journey that you can. If you keep those three things in mind, I think,
um, you know, you'll, you'll have an enjoyable life and you'll, you'll be happy with what you're pursuing. It's not based around a certain, you know, dollar figure. It's based a, around values, morals, and ethics. And think about, you know, when you get to the end of your life and you look back on it, um, if you accomplish what you wanted to accomplish or you didn't accomplish what you wanted to accomplish, are you still going to be happy with, with the life that you lived and the interactions that you have? And are you significant? Or do you feel significant? Do you feel fulfilled in your life? And um, keeping those, those long-term values in, in mind. Tom, thank you for sharing everything today. I think uh, listening to your story, I think that there's uh, a great amount of, should we say, inspiration or motivation that people can pull from that. And I do think there are some lessons uh, from our conversation today. If people want to connect with you, where do they go? Uh, you can go to tommays.com. Uh, that has links to, to the four businesses on there. Um, the Global Coaching Association will be launched soon. Um, that'll just be the globalcoachingassociation.com. If you're looking for coaching or mentorship, we have amazing coaches that are all, all qualified on that platform. Um, I'm on all social medias, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, and yeah. So those are, Tom Mays, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Thomas. You, you ask uh, amazing questions and really enjoyed my time. Greatly appreciate it.